Keith here. When I started making the first episode of, I had no experience doing podcast interviews, especially the technical side of things. It was a lot of confusing steps, setting up double enders or making do with low quality recordings on whatever app I could figure out. But it got a whole lot easier when I started using Zencaster. Made for podcasts with Zencaster, it's so easy to do everything. You and your guests log in with a browser and record studio quality sound and up to 4K video, even with an unstable connection. And it's an all-in-one deal. You don't need a lot of different tools or services. With Zencaster, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute it to Spotify, Apple, and other major platforms. If you've ever thought about making your own podcast, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code TFEO and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story on Zencaster. Hey, it's Keith. If you're a lover of audio drama like I am, you need to know about the Apollo app. Apollo is designed around audio drama, so finding your next story is easy. You can always listen through Apollo for free, but there's also the Apollo Plus subscription. With it, you get ad-free listening, exclusives, and other bonus content for over 40 shows. And 70% of the revenue on Apollo Plus goes to those creators. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcasts app or apollopods.com. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W. Keith Timms, audio drama producer and podcaster. In this show, I listen to the first episode of an audio drama, then have a discussion with the creators about their show, their methods, struggles, and successes. Today, we're discussing the first episode of The Storage Papers. Storage Papers is a supernatural horror story created by Jeremy Infinger and written by Infinger and Nathan Lunsford. The premise of the show is that a fictionalized version of Jeremy won the contents of an abandoned storage unit at auction. Inside, he discovered a trove of extensive documentation of seemingly unexplainable events. As Jeremy digs deeper into these papers, he reads accounts of the monstrous and strange and begins to investigate them himself. Infinger started the storage papers in 2019 by himself, but for the second season, he brought in additional talent, including Lunsford. The show will soon release its fifth season. I spoke to Jeremy and Nathan remotely from their respective homes in California and Florida. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do on the storage papers. I'm Jeremy. Initially, I, I started the storage paper. Season one was 100% me, and it just kind of started out as like a creativity project. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never done creative writing or fiction writing or anything like that. I'm, I'm more of a visual arts type of guy, but I, I haven't even done that for a while. I was podcasting about paranormal interview stuff, and uh, I had a radiology podcast associated with my side teaching gig. But I was like, gosh, that's not 
fun. You know, it's like more work. <laughs> yeah. So I started this. I, I had a few stories in mind and I, I even had an idea for an overarching story for the character, Jeremy. And I just kind of started with those little one off episodes. Ultimately, between Nathan and I, we do everything for the show. I think we can each do just about every aspect of production and we trade off responsibilities from time to time, whether that's, you know, narrating or I know uh, Nathan gets into some some character work there with a few characters and, and even produces a, a little sideshow on Patreon called uh, Unwanted Places, where it's one of our characters, uh, Detective Mark Anderson. But yeah, we we really I, I brought Nathan on and um, we had uh, Cody for a while uh, as uh, main writers uh, starting in season two. And, and we've all just kind of been splitting the workload since. I am Nathan. And I mean, like Jeremy said, we, we kind of split all the different responsibilities. But the main things that I, I consistently do are, of course, the episode artwork, writing and acting and some of the producing and then of course all the all the various like website stuff and all that jeremy you said that you have never really done writing before but you were a visual artist was that when you were younger yeah all that was like high school and early college i had a scholarship to go to uh, art school right out of high school and after my first class, I decided it wasn't for me because the instructor was like, no, you have to do this and you have to do it this way. Hmm. And I was like, F off, dude. I don't <laughs> want to do that. You know, I, I realized pretty quickly that it was more of a, I don't know, recreational and, and stress relief type of a thing. Uh, that said, I needed uh, other plans. I initially wanted to be like a pilot, but I couldn't get into the military. That was my planned route. So I, I had a plan B of getting into radiology. And that's kind of where I started my adult career professionally. I've been teaching for, gosh, 20 years now. I've been a licensed radiologic technologist for about 25. Just had a thought that radiology is in some ways a visual art. It is. It's very, <laughs> so it combines science and art quite a bit. Maybe that's why I like it. Were you like a horror fan or were you like a fiction fan from a young age and, and it kind of stuck with you? Is, is I think that... I just have a demented mind, <laughs> you know, like I, all the situations. I'm an only child, so maybe that's why. I don't know. Uh, me too. They, so, they, you know. <laughs> they tell us that, you know, we're, we're a little odd. I think you also develop an imagination when you don't have a lot of people to talk to. My high school that I attended, I went all four years, but it was the 13th school I went to. So we moved around a lot. I found a lot of things to do like, you know, guitar and art. And I do a lot of things that were solo activities. So yeah. I think that just spurs the imagination, you know? Yeah, I get that. Nathan, what's your artistic background? I've always been doing something arts related for as far back as I can remember. I attended clown school, took drama courses and art courses. Uh, when I went to college, I uh, was majoring in graphic design, did that freelance for a while until I realized that generally working for clients kind of sucks <laughs> um, when it's, you know, especially when it's artistic related. So I kind of relate to Jeremy in that aspect, like just all over the spectrum with arts, uh, whether it was performance or uh, visual writing, any of that stuff, I've kind of just been all over the place since as soon as I could learn to write, really. <laughs> 
you do voice acting. Uh, you've appeared on not only on the storage papers, but um, on other shows around the uh, indie audio drama field. Do you have any acting background? I've taken courses like through most of my lower education <laughs> yeah. uh, in drama and been involved in indie video productions and stuff like that. But uh, nothing like I, I don't have like a degree in theater or anything like that. How did you get into audio drama? This is something that I sometimes forget. Back in the early days of Welcome to Night Vale, I had had a friend mention it to me and I gave it a listen. And for some reason or another, uh, this is almost heresy to say I know, but it, it just didn't vibe with me. Um, <laughs> You're allowed. <laughs> there, there are things I like about it, you know, but um, yeah. And then I, I didn't listen to anything else for a long while, probably partly because there wasn't a whole lot else that was being made, certainly not to the same degree it's being made today. And then somewhere I ended up listening to Rabbits. And I've always enjoyed, you know, those puzzles, ARGs. From there, that's, I think that's the point where I probably got on Reddit at that point And I was like, all right, what else is out there? <laughs> I'd had ideas for stories and things. That, and I'd even had stories that I had been working on. And at some point I was like, you know what? This would probably work pretty well as an audio drama. Let me start working on that angle. How did the two of you meet? Towards the end of season one, I knew I wanted to um, continue the show. And I what I was looking for initially was like, you know, one off stories. I was I was hoping to open it up to other writers to just present stories and I could narrate them on the show. And I thought, well, shoot, you know, there's people out there that are, you know, doing a lot of these series. I want to make the show longer. I want to have more content. I need help. So I, I put a little post out on Reddit just asking to see who was interested. And I think we got, what, five or six people that actually submitted stories. Out of those five, Nathan and, and Cody initially had expressed interest in kind of doing something a little more long term. And, you know, we seem to work well together. So I guess it was uh, in the cards after that. Nathan, what attracted you to this project? Uh, well, a, a couple things. So at the time, I was actually actively looking for a few different projects to contribute to in some way, mainly because I was actually working on a story that I eventually wanted to produce as my own audio drama, and I wanted to get more involved in the community. Um, I'd actually seen him posting about the storage papers before, and it had been on my backlog of things to listen to. Horror is something I've always been very interested in. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a fascinating genre. It puts people in extreme situations where you really, in a lot of ways, you end up cutting down to the very heart of who a person is. There's the opportunity to explore that within horror in ways that you don't often get to in other genres. Plus, it's a very flexible genre at play as well with lots of different subgenres. <laughs> So when I saw him posting, I was like, hey, that, you know, this is something that would be really fun to be part of. Yeah. I want to take a quick side note and talk about the Phonic Fiction Fest, which, Nathan, you were one of the co-organizers for. Do you want to briefly talk about what the Phonic Fiction Fest is and whether we'll see that happen again? Phonic Fiction Fest is kind of, to a degree, stolen format from projects that I participated in in my past, like a 48-hour film project. I borrowed heavily from that. Uh, everybody forms teams, and then you don't know anything or almost anything about what you're going to be making, just that you're going to have 48 hours to make this audio drama story. So you're, you're given a very, very basic prompt and then have 48 hours to write, produce and release an entirely brand new 
audio drama. Exactly. Yeah. Why did you want to do this project the first time? It was almost, it was kind of a in passing thing. Um, I was talking to Cole Weavers uh, from uh, the town Whispers and Tiny Terrors, and he was mentioning how it's kind of a shame that there isn't any festival like that, like there is for, you know, like Game Jam for the gaming community Mm -hmm. and a few different ones for video production. I was like, you know what? You're right. Those things are super fun to do. If you want to do something, let me know and we'll organize it. And that just kind of, Kicked off from there. So let's uh, let's get back to the show. I'm curious as to where the impetus came from for you to start doing the story and specifically making it an audio drama as opposed to something else. That's a hard question to answer. I, I've been a big fan of like X-Files and, mm-hmm. you know, a few other kind of like anthology based. I, I just I feel like I've always had these like little short story ideas in my head. My problem is I'm not a executor. I'm an idea person. So out of the thousands of ideas I have, less than 1% probably come out. And <laughs> yeah. At that point, I was looking around. I hadn't done any podcasts for quite a while, a couple of years, and I was just missing it. I thought, well, you know, I want to go a different direction than something work related. Why don't I just start documenting all these stories? So I wrote a few down and I thought, oh, you know, 3000 word stories. Not it doesn't take that long to write. Uh, So I wrote a handful of them and I thought, you know, I'm going to put season one out, which was like, what was it, Nathan, 11 episodes or Something like that. It was really short. And they were all kind of individually based, but they had roots for story later on. And I thought, if I'm not into this, I just won't continue, but I want to try it. Yeah. It it turned out I really enjoyed it. And then once I got more people involved and it got some exposure at at the end of season one, it it was actually getting some some decent uh, downloads as those go. I never expected to hit a certain number. I just wanted to do it as a creative project. Whether it was being downloaded or not, I was going to do X number of episodes at least and see how I felt. I ended up getting COVID and, and I had some health problems back when season two was going to launch and right. that actually postponed season two quite a bit. But you actually released a couple of little, um, uh, I don't want to uh, announcements or this is coming up to the next thing I want to talk about, which is the difference between you, Jeremy and Jeremy on the, on the show. Right. You sort of did that as an in character announcement, but it's also based in truth, right? Based in Yes. Fact. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I love the idea of anything meta, right? So I, I based the show in the area I live. I used my own name. It's 100% fiction. But what's really cool is you can actually visit these places we talk about. They're all local to me. Like I should probably be driving around taking pictures and bumping up my social media game here or something. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I like to add a little bit of realism, also adding historical fact in with your fiction, just to kind of mix it up a little, I think makes a, a more immersive story. Yeah. Is there any autobiography in the the Jeremy that appears on the storage papers? I think the only thing that's actually true is I've done paranormal investigations before, and I, I, I'm a total nerd about that subject. Yeah. And I thought it would be fun to kind of write that in. But I make a point not to make a fictional story based on anything that's actually happened. As a result of, you know, real life experience in in that world, because I think there's a lot of people out there that really try to fake things. And I want to draw a very distinct line between what I'm doing here versus, you know, when, when I actually go do stuff like that. My name is Jeremy. And a few months ago, I was clearing out my storage unit when I noticed a sign advertising an auction that day. I'd seen a couple reality TV shows where people purchase rights to storage units that were delinquent in payments and then they would turn some profit for items contained within them. 
Out of mere curiosity, I stuck around for the auction just to watch the process. Since I was the only person that showed up, I figured I would bid the minimum bid of $5, and I won. I was able to sell an old guitar case on Craigslist for about $100 and ended up with a nice patio furniture set that I kept. Most of the storage unit's contents were junk, but there were a few boxes that piqued my interest. They contained what appeared to be a mix of old case files or witness statements. My guess is that the previous owner was some kind of private investigator. Were you hoping that some people might tune in and think this was a real thing that because it was sounds because you're you're making it sound very real you're, you're basing it a lot on yourself and in a real place yeah. were you hoping that people might kind of go hey is this real i'd be lying if i said no um yeah. to what extent I, i'm not really sure um i knew that i mean i have zero acting experience and i know i can't act well i'm trying to learn things and i've I, you know since the start of this show and getting more involved with the audio drama community i just have an immense respect for people who can do it well um, so I try things, I audition for things. Um, but really I have no training. I thought it would actually sound more authentic if I yeah. narrated it myself rather than getting an actor to do it. And it's sounding acted out. You, you mentioned earlier that you generally prefer to work alone, or at least that's, well, yeah, so, I, I can work with other people, but it's, I've never had an opportunity to as, as much. I don't think. Yeah. So my question is, what was it like to bring in Nathan and have to work together. What was that experience like creatively for you? I think at first it was a little uncomfortable, honestly. Professionally and in my work life, I delegate as a, as an audio drama sort of scenario with uh, creativity involved and not necessarily knowing everyone's strengths or, or their style even. I, I was kind of like a deer in headlights at first. And I think Nathan would agree it took me a, a, a really long time to, I guess, put trust in him to push things out or ask him to do different things. He's he's very capable, like probably mm. more capable than me, honestly. But the idea of like kind of finding myself in this process and sharing the load, it was tough to adjust to for me. I've seen Nathan do stuff on his own too. That's like really cool stuff. And I'm like, well, shoot, I should have been giving you more sooner, you know? <laughs> well, Nathan, let me ask you about you. What was it like for you to come into a pre-existing world, someone else's idea, someone else's property and carve out a place for yourself? It was definitely understandable that he did feel that way going in, uh, you know, especially he, he just recruited like half a dozen strangers from the Internet. Um, <laughs> it's it's only free. fair. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It, it's only fair that it'd be a, a little hesitant to relinquish control of some areas. For me coming in, I'll say it, it was a challenge I've never encountered before. So I was very hesitant, even in my writing it was really a lot of testing the waters, seeing what works, seeing mm -hmm. what are these characters actually like outside of just what I've heard so far and what I've read so far. I think the first story I submitted, I don't even think I wrote anything for Jeremy's commentary that he usually has at the start or end. I just wrote the story. And I'm like, uh, I'm not sure what else to put here. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, so it, it took a lot of warming up from both sides, I think. How do you feel about your, your working relationship now? And how do you feel about the way you can work together to create the show? 
I, I think it's matured quite a bit. I mean, we probably still have some growth to do, but, you know, compared to the beginning, like, for instance, the next season we're working on now, season five, we're highly collaborating up front. We're just pitching ideas to one another. We talk about it and and that spurs on better ideas. And I feel like it's more of a group effort. Our process just sinks well. I'm always worried about writing myself into a corner. And I think Nathan's helped me prevent that a couple times with some details I've maybe forgot about or maybe a direction we plan to go. I think having that extra insurance, I'll say, it's very valuable. I'm not sure I, I would go much farther in the show if I didn't have that support and that person to bounce ideas off of. I've said to a couple different people on different occasions that is something that's super cool is that we had our own little writer's room going. I mean, we, we used to have that with Cody when he was able to participate more. That was a super cool experience. And now it's come down to just me and Jeremy. And I think we've gotten a feel for each other's comfort level with yeah. <laughs> uh, right. throwing out around ideas and things. And I, I like that when we are talking that, you know, neither of us has any judgment for each other's ideas like you should have in a writing room. It's been a, a really good experience for collaboration. Why don't we talk about the show a little bit? When you think about the storage papers, what do you think of and, and what is the show to you? That's a loaded question, I think, because I, I believe that changes over time as, as mm -hmm. the story builds and we go different directions. It does change. For me, it's like a representation of all the bad ideas that you have coming into fruition and making the stupidest decisions ever. Um, you know, you can't write a, an entertaining story by playing it safe. Sure. So I, I think it's a way to examine someone's life that is in a similar situation as me, you know, outside of the fictional character um, and, and maybe making those stupid choices that you just, you know, wouldn't be responsible at all. And, and just playing around with seeing what happens. I used to be more of like an outliner writer. But mm -hmm. I think some of Nathan's influence on me is like, okay, you know, start out with maybe some structure, but be open to where that might go as you're writing. If it, if it goes a different direction, let's follow that path for a while and, and see what we think. You know, more than just the story, it, it's been an avenue for me to develop some additional creative writing skills. First and foremost, it's fun. Even though it's dark, I wouldn't say it's like super deep most of the time. It has its moments, but more than anything, I think it's just fun. Uh, and especially with how serious and oftentimes depressing and chaotic the world is, it's nice to have that fun catharsis, even if it is dark. It's still still fun. It's like what comedy writers do, you know, they use satire or sarcasm to make light of situations that are really uncomfortable. And I think it, it does provide an outlet like that of like, what if we just think about this for a while? This could be interesting. And um, I agree, it's it's fun, but it's also for me, it's like therapeutic. I don't know mm -hmm. about you, Nathan. Well, there's the idea of catharsis, right? Which is one of the things horror attempts to do. It's horror horror attempts to make us contemplate the awful things that could happen, then purge ourselves at the end, hopefully, of some of those feelings of fear. The premise of the show is there is a character named Jeremy who buys the contents of an abandoned storage unit at an auction and discovers inside that there is, among other things, a whole bunch of case files that apparently belong to some sort of private investigator. Um, many of which have a paranormal bent or cause. The first season is really mostly, I want to say, like monster of the week kind of thing. 
where mm-hmm. each episode is a different case file that deals with a different, very strange occurrence and the investigation that goes into it. Witness statement from Jim Thorpe, Saturday, February 7th, 2009. Earlier this evening, I went for my routine jog. I've been training for a marathon, and Saturdays were always long mileage days. I'd planned on getting 11 miles in, and I'd like to run on this stretch of bicycle trail by the lake for my long runs. There's plenty of tree cover for shade, and around evening time, there doesn't really seem to be too many other people around. It's peaceful. They'd also just paved the trail so I could make decent time as opposed to running on gravel and dirt, and adding a little bit of my favorite music really helps the old stress management. Anyways, I was about five miles in on the trail. I know this because I could see the mile marker just ahead. I was planning on passing it and running another four minutes before turning around. I've been trying to keep an eight-minute mile pace during my training. But just before I reached that five-mile marker... I thought I heard something like a moan or a scream coming from the woods opposite the lake. But there is an overarching sort of more long-term story. You start seeing some patterns and some themes probably towards the beginning, mid to season two, and you start getting recurring characters and things like that. We've taken a long time to really get to the big picture, what's happening. There's still a lot to explain, but we do find that there is more in common with each of these papers than was initially suspected. I think the reason we took so long to do that is we we really want to take the approach of, this is just a random guy happening upon this. Of course, it's going to take him a while to, to realize this, but as a writer, I think that's that's a challenge. How do you retain people's attention and and focus on that thing without losing them in the it's funny, like you called it monster of the week type of episodes. Um, that's exactly what we referred to it as yeah. earlier. <laughs> right. Well, and, and there's value in that, right? Because it provides novelty. It's something, oh, what's going to happen this time? Right. And that that causes um, anticipation in the audience. Nathan, I must imagine that having the sort of monster of the week style made it easier for you as a newcomer. Well, we can insert all kinds of things in here because we're not necessarily beholden to a particular storyline. I mean, there there definitely was that element to it. I had these ideas and things and contributed these stories that I, I wouldn't have been able to necessarily or would have certainly been a lot more difficult to contribute. You know, I don't think we've talked about this, Jeremy. That's probably about the time that you had really decided that there is going to be this overarching story. I remember when you you asked for contributors and in those early conversations, you're like, all right, who wants to just contribute to one-off stories? Who wants to contribute to the overarching story? I'd kind of signed up for both because it sounded fun. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with you there. I, I did have an idea for like a start and an end, but I had no middle. I honestly think it was better working out that way because then I could incorporate, you know, your feedback into that whole middle section. And I think I've shown I'm pretty flexible to change. There is an idea for the next season I was kind of against for a while, and I'm still not sure about it. But I think I've wrapped my mind around the way we're doing it, that it's going to be super cool. I wore him down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As I approached the thicket, I noticed what appeared to be the entrance of a small cave. I could see the rounded ceiling of the cave entrance just above the fog. It was only about four feet wide, and it would probably fit a full-grown person who was willing to get on all fours to go in. 
I moved toward the cave, thinking that it was going to be the most likely place someone would find shelter if they needed it. I was still cautious about my footing as I slowly approached the thicket of trees outside the cave entrance. I tried talking more to see if I could prompt another cry or maybe a response from another person. Once I started going under the thick canopy, I noticed a very foul odor. It was like a dense smell of urine, wet dog, and skunk all combined, and it overwhelmed my senses to the point where I thought I was going to be sick. I had to stop right there for a moment to pinch my nose because of the stench, and I decided to call out again, a little quieter this time. Almost immediately, the baby cried again, and it couldn't have been more than 10 or 15 feet away. What is it that makes a good storage paper story? I guess just the idea that there are very strange things going on around you all the time. You know, you think about people who have like a ghost sighting. It's probably more people than you realize. Obviously, stories that aren't ghost related necessarily, but have all these clandestine organizations around you and people that have goals that just don't align with yours, but they they intertwine so close to your life. I think having that kind of involvement that's that's tangible in such close reach without most people being aware. And whatever that creepy story ends up being, I think is just a, a fun part of it. But yeah, just becoming aware of it and being like, oh my gosh, there's a whole other world that exists here that I didn't know that I'm in. I don't know. To me, that's fascinating. The first episode is actually a pretty good example of that. Baby Cries is the first episode in which a jogger has an encounter with a a monster of some sort who imitates a crying baby in order to lure prey. He was just jogging past, heard the cry, and suddenly he's face to face with this terrible monster. Nathan, what, what makes a good storage paper story for you? I'm not sure if I can hone it down to one exact thing. I'll say first and foremost, just one word, unsettling. I mm. think that's a key thing. Some of the stories that have excited me the most to write are ones that are actually based on certain dreams that I've had is it feels almost uh, weird and hokey to say that, but I I have exploding head syndrome. Uh, for those who don't know, it means that I will wake up hearing audible sounds that my brain is making that don't actually exist. Okay. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing either. I mentioned a few of these dreams as ideas for stories I was going to write. And and as I was describing, you know, how it affected me, Cody actually told me, he's like, hey, you know, it, that sounds like you might have exploding head syndrome. In the moment, it's terrifying. But, you know, after the moment of waking up in terror, I'm like, OK, I need to remember this. This could make for a good story. What do you struggle with? I could turn this into a therapy session, but uh, <laughs> I won't do that. I think keeping a schedule has been the toughest thing because, you know, everybody's busy. Everybody has real paying jobs that actually pay your bills. Keeping up with that production schedule and trying to like fit little times in to record and to edit and, and just do all the steps. I think compared to other podcasts that were not audio dramas, this is 10 times the work. It goes back to my control thing. I want to be able to <laughs> be able to say exactly when it comes out and how it turns out and all that. So thank goodness Nathan's out there because... I struggle also with social media. I don't mm, like it. Yeah. I, I despise it. 
Uh, I get on there and give the bare minimum. And I do enjoy talking to our community, our fans, you know, on Discord and Patreon, but I'm not there as much as I'd like to be. So I think that's the other thing I struggle with. Two big things right there. Nathan, what do you struggle with? Well, Jeremy stole my answer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, time is the hardest thing. It takes a ton of time to produce an audio drama. And I think, I mean, if we both weren't working on this. I don't think either one of us could do this thing single-handedly with any sort of reasonable timetable. I know the grass is always greener and such, but it, it is uh, very hard to not be envious of those who can do this full-time and just, you know, produce and create, even though, I, of course, that comes with strings when something becomes your actual job. It's a nice thing to wish for. How do you measure success? I think a lot of people fall into the trap of measuring success by downloads. Sure. While it's something that should definitely be looked at, I honestly, like at this point in the show, like we maybe got a couple seasons left in the story. I just want to finish it. Uh, success is continuing to write a great story and, you know, keeping our commitments of, of putting it out there in a, in a consistent way and just finishing it. I, I, I'm going to feel great when the story's done because I have other things I want to work on in my time, but I think I'll feel really accomplished just to get through it. I don't think success is a static thing. It's not something you can hold in your hand. Success to me means that you are continuing to enjoy what you do. You're continuing to learn. So long as those two things are happening, then I consider that successful. I was about to call out again when some motion drew my attention from deep within the cave. It sounded like an animal charging me, and there was a low grunting noise that accompanied each stride. As I looked toward the cave to focus my eyes, I saw two dim yellow eyes reflecting back at me bouncing up and down with each grunt I heard. The Storage Papers is a great example of how stories evolve over time as creative teams change and new narratives are developed. There are some deeply frightening concepts among its tales, some that show up for just one episode, others that form a longer, ongoing story of cosmic evil. You can listen to The Storage Papers on most major podcast platforms or see our show notes for more information. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All the opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who expressed them and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. This show is a production of Alien Ghost Robot Creative Media. If you want more information, want to sign up for our newsletter, or are an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, visit our website at thefirstepisodeof.com. We're happy to be a part of the Audio Drama Lab, a Discord-based resource for audio drama development and networking. Check it out at audiodramalab.com. Keep telling stories. It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time. I know you got questions about him. Where did he come from? How did he do all those things they say he did? Was he a terrorist? Was he crazy? Was his skin really blue? Well, I'll tell you what I know. I was there with him, driving through the back roads under the stars. I was witness to wonders and miracles. 
and to the darkness that's coursing through the veins of our country. He came to fight it in his own strange way, but no one leaves that fight unchanged. Not even Rael. People ought to know the truth. And I was there. The Book of Constellations is a down-to-earth sci-fi road trip. It's audio fiction, and you can find episodes at bookofconstellations.com or wherever you get your podcasts.